Welcome to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, a weekly conversation about mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. To get more information, visit the website at therapyforblackgirls.com. And while I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for session 80 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. Recently, over in the Thrive Tribe, we've been having conversations about the double standards that exist when we talk about women's versus men's sexuality and sexual exploration. So I wanted to bring on an expert to help us unpack this issue. For today's episode, I'm joined by Shamira Howard. Shamira is a licensed clinical social worker, sexologist, therapist, and owner of Conquest Counseling, a private practice in Louisiana where she specializes in sex and relationship therapy. Shamira also provides sex and intimacy consulting for persons outside of Louisiana. She helps people deal with sexual issues, have amazing sex, and create their best relationships. Shamira and I discussed why this double standard exists, how Black women can be more active in exploring their sexuality, her thoughts about friends with benefits, and of course, she shared her favorite resources. If you hear something while listening that really strikes you, please share it with us on social media using the hashtag TBGInSession. Here's our conversation. Thank you so much for joining us today, Shamira. Thank you for having me. So I'm excited to have you here um, because we had a very lively conversation in the Thrive Tribe a couple of weeks ago um, for people who are interested in becoming, you know, like more sexually free, like women who are just interested in maybe sleeping with different people or, you know, just embracing their sexuality. And so I wanted to make sure that we continue the conversation on the podcast and bring in an expert to talk about like what kinds of things we need to be paying attention to and how we can be more supportive of ourselves and each other in terms of like exploring our sexual freedom. That's an amazing topic. Yeah, I'm excited. And I know you're excited. So I am. <laughs> I know the listeners will be excited. But but I do want to start kind of by talking about what are some of the things that you think get in the way of Black women actually exploring their sexual freedom? Well, there are so many things that get in the way. So, for example, the double standards. There are lots of double standards that we as women, especially Black women, are made to feel shamed about when it comes to sex. So men, they're encouraged to be sexually explorative. And women, we're kind of shamed for being sexually explorative. There are also reasons of religion, personal reasons, cultural and societal norms and views that we subscribe to, and some of the things that we tell ourselves that also hold us back. There's also the notion that, you know, we aren't really taught much about our bodies. A lot of people that I work with in our communities aren't really sexually explorative. So I've talked to people who have issues with orgasm, who have issues letting go during sex. And it's because of all of those things that I previously mentioned and more, we're not as sexually open. So we're kind of repressed sexually as a culture, especially our women. 
Okay, so that I think brings up an interesting point about what do you think we could be doing maybe and, and a lot of this I know starts in childhood, right? Because that is of course where we get lots of messages very early on about lots of different things. Right. So what kind of things do you think we could be doing earlier on, even in terms of parenting, to kind of, you know, make sure that people feel okay to kind of understand that like it's okay to receive pleasure from sexual activity. What kinds of things do you think we could be doing for like our younger kids? Exactly what you just just said. So I often talk to people about normalizing pleasure. First, understanding that we're sexual beings and normalizing pleasure, normalizing our sexuality and allowing us the space to be sexual beings. So I tell parents this all the time. They're like, well, when do we start talking about sex? I'm like, two. They're like two. I'm like, yeah, two years old. Like, how do you talk to your two-year-old about sex? So, you know, the reason I said two is because that is usually the age when um, children start recognizing their genitalia, their, their body parts. So a lot of times we start potty training. That's a good time to start giving kids control of their body, allowing them to use the bathroom by themselves, closing the door, using correct names for body parts, penis, vagina, vulva. I know, you know, we're just getting into the habit of using vulva because we kind of use vagina interchangeably, but using the correct terminology and then using other age appropriate behaviors as we go further talking about it in our household normalizing intimacy if we are partnered being intimate with our partner and I don't mean break out into a full sex session in front of your kids but what I mean is hugging kissing petting stuff like that so that that can be normalized already in our childhood yeah and I think a lot of times when parents hear stuff like that they wonder like oh does that mean like my kids gonna go to school and like do that same kind of thing right that, that definitely isn't necessarily what is happening Absolutely not. And a lot of parents think as soon as they start talking to their kids about sex, that they're going to want to start having sex. And even though research doesn't support that, it actually says the opposite. Parents who talk to their kids about sex, the kids actually delay the time they start and they're able to make better choices about sex. And it doesn't mean that they're going to start going to school and doing that. However, we have to understand that some behavior is age appropriate according to children's development. So some children are going to fondle other kids. They're going to touch other kids at three years four years old because developmentally that's what children do and there's a great resource to help you talk to your children about sex and understanding age-appropriate sexual behaviors it's called sex positive families so that is a great resource to help us and others learn more about what's appropriate and what's age-appropriate for children's sexuality. So a lot of times, um, and in this conversation that we were having in the Thrive Tribe, we were talking about, you know, what kinds of things do you need to do to develop your hotation, so to speak? So that's yes. a, a term that, of course, came from, <laughs> from Insecure, right? When Issa was talking about when to start her hotation. So yes. what kinds of things do, should you kind of be mindful of? Like if you're somebody who says, okay, I feel like I want to kind of go out and hang out and sleep with other people, um, what kinds of things do you need to be mindful about? First of all, you know, I'm going to say this before I say anything, safety. So I always talk about safety. So before we start our rotation, we want to make sure that we're safe. We want to make sure that it, we're practicing this safely. A lot of times the reason why people don't get into this rotation phase is because like we talked about earlier, the double standards and, and the shame that comes along with it. So we want to destigmatize that. We want people to understand. We want to take that power away from people telling us that we're devalued or that we are 
aren't of value because we want to go out and have or to be sexually explorative. So first, understand what your purpose is. Like if this is what you want to do, is this a part of your dating regimen? Is this just something that you want to experience? Understand what it is you want to do. Understand ways to protect yourself sexually, you know, from unwanted pregnancy, then unwanted STIs and STDs, and also to be transparent about it. That's another avenue that we need to take is transparency, allowing other people to make the choice or to have a choice in our choices, which means, so if you decide, hey, you know, I'm just out here having casual sex with people and you're just another person that I want to have sex with, then I think it's important for us to let our partners know that. Okay. So being honest that this is something casual and I'm not expecting anything exclusive here or at and that I may be sleeping with other people. Absolutely. Got you. Got you. So I think something else that comes up around this is the whole idea of like, can you really do this without catching feelings? Like, you Mm -hmm. know, I think a lot in kind of pop culture and, you know, like I think just as a part of like what we just talk about every day with each other is like women can't really have sex with people without catching feelings. So is that true? Well, so that's perspective and that's all individually based. So there are some people who say they can't even have sex without having an emotional connection to the person that they're having sex with. And so we refer to these people as demisexual. They have to have an emotional connection in order to feel open enough and comfortable enough to have sex. And it's good to know that if this is you, it's good to know that this is you. There are some people who don't realize that once they start having sex, that there is an emotional component where they might become emotionally attached to someone. However, on the flip side, there are some people who can have sex with no ties and no strings attached and have sex with you, go right on about their business and have sex with somebody else and go right on about their business. So it's important to know who you are. It's important to know if you think you're going to become emotionally attached to someone that this might not be the avenue for you to take. You might not be a person who's up for casual sex. Right. So really it kind of comes down to knowing yourself. Absolutely. And knowing, you know, like your history, like historically, like how has this been for you? Is this something that you really want to do for yourself? Absolutely. But that's also a benefit of going through this rotation, as you said. So one of the benefits of doing this is it helps you to develop your sexual self. It helps you to be able to see what type of person you'd like to date what type of person you are dating, what your dating style is and what your relationship style is as well. So doing that, it also, you know, it gives you insight and helps you develop your own self and sexual self-concept. Okay. Are there other benefits you think? Like what other kind of things can come of, of something like this? Oh, absolutely. And there's a research study that shows the benefits of being sexually explorative for women. It shows that people who are sexually open, they're able to deal with stress better. They have better memory. Um, and in older adults, their everyday memory improves. Their everyday functioning is improved. They have different height and creativity. There's even some research that shows a decrease in racial prejudice for people who are sexually open or sexually explorative. It also helps you in, again, identifying your sexual self-concept, what your sexual values are, your needs, your preferences, the ways that you like to experience and express your sexuality. Also, what type of sexual partners you want, what type of sexual activities you like. So it definitely is helpful in helping you to measure what your sexual identity is. And the only way to develop your sexual identity 
is through sexual exploration. Okay. So I think some people may be kind of hung up. So I don't necessarily, or maybe this is a, a question to ask you. Do you feel like everybody has to go through this phase? No, that's the other side to this. So everybody doesn't go through this phase, nor does everyone have to go through this phase. But I do think that, and the research shows that in order for us to get an idea of what our sexual identity is, we have to be sexually explorative. Like, you know, we have to have that type of sexual experience. But that doesn't mean you have to go through, as we called it, a rotation early and having multiple different sexual partners. You can have this exploration phase. Also, you can do this with one consistent partner as well. Okay. So yeah, so I think that that is what people may have been confused about, that you don't necessarily have to go through the whole phase. Again, that's something people call it. Um, mm-hmm. But but it's totally okay if you want to, right? But it, it doesn't it's mean totally that it's right. like a like a rite of passage kind of thing, right? Like if you don't ever get to a place in your life where you feel like you want to maybe hang out and sleep with a bunch of people, then you don't have to. No, but there not. does need to be some sexual exploration for you to really be in touch with what kinds of things you do like sexually. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the problem that many women have, which is why many women have issues with orgasm because they are not in touch with their sexual selves and they don't know their bodies. They don't know what turns them on, what turns them off. And then we get into these relationships with people and there's this expectation that the person you're in a relationship with should we start shitting on people they should know how to please you they should know how to bring me to orgasm you're like well how should they know if you don't know so it's definitely it's a, there's a benefit to being sexually explorative but doesn't mean you have to go through a whole phase to do that got it so what other ways um you talked a little bit shamira about like sexual values how might we begin to like identify that for ourselves so sexual values we kind of develop our own sexual values again in childhood based on our family cultural norms societal norms and things that we tell ourselves growing up things that we see but i think is important to develop our own sexual values by the things that we want to do what we feel comfortable with and understanding that our sexuality one is our business and we're sexual beings so there are some ways that we can find out what our sexual values are again first understanding that your sexuality is of utmost importance to you it's your own business and you are born a sexual being and if there's any shame a lot of people don't get to develop their sexual selves because there's a lot of shame around sexuality especially for women so women are taught to withhold the sex men are encouraged to have lots of sex right so if there's a lot of shame around your sexuality you have to figure out where that shame is coming from is it coming from family is it coming from friends is it coming from things that you're telling yourself about yourself and is this stuff true and what matters most to you so what matters most what do you want so how do you want to express your sexuality is it the way you're currently doing it is it another way why and if you're doing what you truly want to do then that's your sexual values because there's no shame attached to anything that you do when it's something that you truly want to do and the last thing is to take ownership and own your sexuality so Asking for what you want is important. Exploring yourself is important. Understanding and connecting with your body intentionally is important. And teaching others how to please you 
is important as well. So you have given us some great information, Shamira, and I do want to kind of just go back to this whole point that you made just now about telling other people or teaching them how to please you, because I think a lot of times as women, we have difficulty with like assertive communication even outside of the bedroom, right? A lot of times. And so I think this is just another layer like this, I think for a lot of people would feel very uncomfortable. So can you talk to us a little bit about like what that looks like, like how you can actually talk to your partner about like what you like? Absolutely. So you you don't know what you like unless you know what you like, right? So first you will have to explore yourself. Now there's a book that I love to recommend to women and people who are in relationships with women. It's called Come As You Are. And it's by Emily Nagowski. Now that book is really good in helping you understand anatomy. And it's, you know, there's a lot of science in it as well, but there are activities that the book lends itself or the book gives out that you can help to explore yourself. So unless you know how to please yourself, you can't talk to anybody else about doing it. So you have to get really comfortable with your own body. If not the conversation around sex and talking to somebody about how to please you is going to be very uncomfortable if it happens at all. So being one with yourself first is going to be very important in being able to talk to people about how to please you. So, you know, if you are masturbating, which I recommend for women is to masturbate, get a mirror and look at your vulva, examine it, touch it in different places to see, you know, the different sensations, the different feels to see how you like it. Touch yourself, masturbate with yourself. If you have a partner, explore mutual masturbation. If you don't want to verbalize it, you can start off by physically showing your partner where to touch you and how to touch you. And you can warm up to being more verbal with it by saying, touch me more here or less touch here or more pressure in this area. So I recommend first and foremost that people get really comfortable with themselves first before trying to tell someone else how to please them. You got to know how to please you first. Very important. So you also mentioned, Shamira, like the whole issue with like orgasm. So what, what exactly is happening in terms of like maybe clients you've worked with who are having difficulty having orgasms or, you know, don't feel like it's pleasurable? So again, we go back to shame when we're talking about orgasm with, uh, with women's bodies and the vulva and the vagina. A lot of women are ashamed. And I was shocked to find this out when I first started doing this years ago, that a lot of women didn't like their vulvas and their vaginas. A lot of women are ashamed by it. There is a lot of shame that's put out into society about vaginas. So we have commercials telling us that we need to smell better. We have people telling us that we don't smell good. So there's uh, a lot of embarrassment as well. So a lot of people aren't embracing their vulvas and their vaginas as they should be because, and I don't want to shit on people, but there are people telling us that we need to be put in dish, we need to be washing with this, we need to be inserting this, and that couldn't be further from the truth. That could actually be more harmful than helpful. So there's a lot of shame around women's orgasms and women's bodies, and we adopt that shame. And there, first, we've got to get rid of that shame. So in order to do that, we've got to understand where the source of the shame comes from. We've got to understand that our sexuality is, of course, again, our business and of utmost importance to us as we're sexual beings. But I'm also finding that a lot of women, especially black women, aren't really open to receiving. And in order to have an orgasm, you've got to be open to pleasure. You've got to be open to receiving. A lot of us are really hard in that way and that we find it really hard to loosen up and to 
be receptive to pleasure. So that blocks orgasm. And a lot of people don't know how to touch themselves. So I spend a lot of time educating women on ways to masturbate in order to bring themselves to orgasm. That definitely sounds like helpful information. And I do think it's important to like pay attention to, like you said, like all of the messages we get like in the media and just from everywhere about like how it's dirty and you yes. need to clean this and it wants to smell like a flower. And you no, know, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't want to smell like a flower. No, we're not a flower. We don't it's want to smell like a flower. No, it's a vulva. It smells like a vulva. And unless you have some type of infection, the way your vulva smells is probably fine. It depends on a lot of your hygiene habits. It depends on your natural flora. So a lot of people might smell from earthy to strong. Now, if you have a foul or fishy smell, then it's definitely an indication that something might be off. And that's nothing to be embarrassed about because that's common. And it's usually a bacterial infection, a bacterial vaginosis. And lots of women get these. It's one of the absolute it's the number one most common infection for people with vaginas. Doctors and scientists are still trying to figure out what's the phenomenon behind bacterial vaginosis or BV or bacterial infections because they still don't know what the cause of it is. We just know that it's it something throws off our pH balance. So it could be sex partners. It could be washing powder. It could be soap. So we want to be really careful with the messages that we receive and we allow ourselves to believe about our vulvas and vaginas. And if there is an issue, go to your gynecologist. That's what they're there for. Get you a doctor. There's nothing to be ashamed about. They already know if you go in there and you say, look, I got a real foul smell. A lot of times they might say, well, it might be nothing, but we'll do a culture just to check. So that's one of the reasons why people are so self-conscious about the vulva and orgasm and being able to let go is because all of these messages that we're getting about our vulvas don't help. Right. So we have to kind of break free of all of that messaging before we can get to, like you talked about, like our own sexual values about how we really feel about it. Absolutely. Because if you keep hearing about how bad this thing is, then you're going to gonna it's going to be something that you think about. And I tell people all the time, okay, if it's so bad, then why are people always after it? It's not that bad. Like they want to use women for sexual consumption, but when we embrace our own sexuality, then it becomes a problem. So that's a message there in itself that it's, it's okay. So what other things do you think are important, Shamira, in terms of people being able to explore their sexuality? Are there other things that we haven't talked about that you feel like, oh yeah, this thing really is something that I see that causes a lot of like hiccups for clients? You know, outside of the societal and cultural values and norms, of course, there's religion. So a lot of people have a lot of shame and guilt from religion. I work with a lot of people who they'll say, you know, I really want to have sex, but I'm of this religion and that it's kind of like not acceptable. And we kind of work through that shame and guilt. And I give them resources to help them deal with the shame around that as well. And helping them to understand that, you know, embracing your sexuality is not just about the act of sex, but it's about becoming familiar with your whole self. So a lot of people have not had the chance to understand who they are sexually because of these messages that we get like, okay, you're a person who's born female. So you like males and you're supposed to have sex when you get married. And that's just that. So a lot of people aren't subscribing to what their own values and their own thoughts are. So they don't even know who they are sexually. And by the time they get up in age, they're like, oh, I've not had a chance to experience that. 
And you often hear people saying, oh, I always knew that there was something wrong with me or I always knew that I wasn't this person. And it's because they never got a chance to really explore who they wanted to be. And a lot of people realize that, hey, I am not monogamous or I don't like this or I don't like that. So I think it's important for us to understand that we need to become familiar with our whole self. Right. And embracing sexual exploration is not just about the act of intercourse, but it's about accepting yourself, your whole identity, and what you hope to experience or what you hope to gain out of the sexual experience. And it helps you to feel alive as well because you get to make your own choices, your own values. That's a great point, Shamira, because I do think when people hear the term sexuality, they automatically think about like penetration or, you know, something like that, as opposed to the way that you just explained it. Like there are all these different um, components wrapped up in it that are also really important to pay attention to. Yes, yes. So you have already kind of started giving us some incredible resources. I can't wait to add these to my library. Um, (laughs) So you shared Sex Positive Families. Is that a book? Well, Sex Positive Families is a website and they're also on Instagram. Okay. And I always always tell them that I always use them as a resource whenever I'm discussing or speaking, um, especially to families and people with children because they're like the best resource out there that I've come across that helps people to break down age-appropriate behaviors and to help people become sex positive families. Okay. So that's a website and an Instagram. Um, Come as you are. What other books or podcasts or websites and things do you find yourself frequently suggesting? Since we talked a lot about shame since this conversation as it relates to the whole phase and women being sexually explorative, a lot of reasons why women aren't as sexually explorative is because of the slut shame and the embarrassment and guilt and shame that's around that. So to break free of the shame, we've got to understand where that shame comes from and how to break free. I recommend the book Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. So that book helps us to understand shame and how to let go of some shame not just sexual shame but just shame in general okay so those are some of the the main resources and of course this podcast i've always recommend therapy for black girls podcast because there's always great information my clients even come in and they're talking about <laughs> this podcast. So this podcast is great, especially for our community. Thank you. All right, Shamira. So I know that you are going to get lots of information or lots of requests for people to like want to talk to you and stuff. So where can the people find you? Okay, so I am on social media. I'm on Instagram at Sexologist Shamira. I'm also on Facebook at Sexologist Shamira as well. My website for my practice is conquestcounseling.com. So people can follow me on social media. And it's October. It's National Kink Month. So I'm talking about kinky stuff all month. So you can follow me there. And I also like to engage people, especially women, in conversations about their self-concept because it helps them to understand themselves better and to see themselves as a sexual being. And I encourage people, everyone and people who are doing this work to continue to engage women in these types of conversations about their self-concept to help them be more sex positive and to understand that they're worthy of pleasure and sexual connection. Perfect. And of course, we will link to all of that information in the show notes. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Shamari. I really appreciate it. No problem. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. I'm so happy Shamara was able to share her expertise with us today. To check out the resources that she shared and to learn more about her practice, visit the show notes at therapyforblackgirls.com session 80. 
And please make sure to share your takeaways from the episode in your IG stories or on Twitter. Be sure to use the hashtag TVG in session so that we can find them and share them. If you're looking for a therapist in your area, be sure to visit the therapist directory at therapyforblackgirls.com directory. Don't forget to check out the Therapy for Black Girls merchandise store to grab a t-shirt, a mug, or a sweatshirt. You can shop at therapyforblackgirls.com shop. And if you want to continue this conversation and join a community of other sisters who listen to the podcast, join us over in the Thrive Tribe at therapyforblackgirls.com tribe. Make sure you answer the three questions that are asked to gain entry. Thank y'all so much for joining me again this week. And I look forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care. Bye.